Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Boy, I wish I could be with you in person today, but we do have an extra special treat for you. We have one of my favorite people in the world speaking, Pastor Bruce Martin. Pastor Bruce pastored Calvary Temple for 25 years. That whole time we were friends, we worked together, we traveled together, we ministered together. We had so many great experiences. Actually, my very favorite one, let me share it with you, was when he and I were hosting, right in this building, a Focus on the Family event. And we were together bantering back and forth as we introduced the guest speaker. The guest speaker mounted the stage and out of his mouth came like this. I've never been introduced by Shrek and the donkey before. Well, everybody laughed and Bruce and I laughed and I thought to myself, you know, I don't look anything like the donkey, but Bruce looks exactly like Shrek. In all seriousness, folks, uh, we are so privileged to have Bruce Martin speaking today. He's a gifted speaker, a great pastor, my wonderful friend. Please welcome to the stage, Pastor Bruce Martin. You'll give that to me later. What a friend, Mark Hughes. <laughs> I am delighted to be here today and uh, sharing with you at the beginning of this new year. And I really think the Lord has something for all of us, but particularly for the Church of the Rock family and those of you who are watching online and uh, those here in person this morning. What a great crowd and great to see you this morning. Now. As I've been thinking about coming here to share with you, I became very aware that we're at the beginning of a new year. And I think the Lord has given me something to share with you today. And it came out of my Bible reading last Sunday morning, the very first day of the new year. And I always go through um, uh, what's happening in my own life. And then I say, Lord, I'm going to, I, I tackle the read the Bible through in one year. So I get a Bible reading plan. This year I'm with Nikki Gumbel and I'm going through there uh, day by day reading through the Bible. And, um, and I know there's a lot of trepidation about the new year. In fact, let me put it this way. I think there are a lot of believers who have a lot at stake in this new year because there's been some loss and there's been some sense of and conflict and confusion and people really wondering, where are you, God? And uh, so I think there are some that are based, I don't know if you've said this, but I know that in my own life, I have been asking God, uh, this would be a good time, Lord, for you to show up and uh, reassure us that you're still in control and the whole world isn't going to go off course and, and, and you're not going to know about it. Lord, show us that you're still in charge. I don't know about you, but I have sort of felt a bit of that in my own life. And uh, so, Lord, uh, would you take 2023 and show up in our, in our church, in our family, in our marriage, in our extended family that has got a little too extended, if you know what I mean. And uh, so God, are you really in charge? So I'm reading last Sunday morning and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Matthew one, this 
is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. And then this is what caught me at verse five. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. Now I've done a Bible study or two on Ruth, and I knew immediately when I read that, oh yeah, she, she was an outsider. She didn't belong, she shouldn't be in that line right there, but she is. And I thought, oh God, was up to something way back. And Matthew says, guess what? You're wondering if God's in charge. I'll tell you, he's in charge. He knows what he's doing. And so I don't know where I got this little illustration, but have you ever thought of this? Take an apple, cut it in half. How many are aware that a human being that can see and feel can figure out how many, how many seeds are in an apple, right? It doesn't take a lot of intuition. You just have to cut it open and count them. Now I wanna ask you a question. How many apples are in a seed? You can't do that because God is the only one who can do that. And so when I think of Matthew writing down, well then I'm seeing from God's perspective that he can make anything happen that he wants to happen. And he can just say, this is the way it's gonna be, and there's gonna be a person named Obed, and there's gonna be a person named Ruth, and, and they're gonna... Now, I also believe that God uses people in their free will, and we, we have sort of a balance there, but God has a way of even taking our bad choices. You know, there's a place in the Bible where it says, don't you be doing anything with those Moabites. Stay away from them. And then God says, I'm going to bring Ruth and make her part of the plan. <laughs> because some of you think you're excluded. And some of you think that your 2023 has to be a very difficult. It doesn't have to be anything. God has a plan. And God can even take our mistakes and work them for good. Hallelujah. And the people in this room that are working on their second chance, let me tell you, I know people that are in the perfect will of God at this moment in their life who have had second and third and fourth and fifth chances. And God is still with them. And some of them even show up in the lineage of David. Praise God. So uh, tucked away in this rather obscure little book of the Bible called Ruth. Now some of you are going, Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, Joshua, Ruth. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Ruth. It's near, near the front of the Bible. And uh, it's a wonderful story about a lady who came from the wrong ethnic background. And I want you to know that that statement is all relative. 
because in God, there's no wrong ethnic background. And I hope that you can get cleansed of any of that inferiority, any of that sense of I'm less than someone. You are not less than anybody. You are who God made you to be. Hallelujah. And so here we have this person who was despised, who was not in God's chosen people. And uh, we get a little clue in this final verse of Ruth. I'm going to kind of give you an overview of some of Ruth today. And uh, we, we see this in the very last sentence of this little book. Jesse, and he's an ancestor of Ruth, was the father of King David. And I can hear some of you. You mean, you mean the king of Israel? You mean the David and Goliath? David? You mean him? Yeah, that's where he came from. King of Israel, throne of David, eternal kingdom, genealogy of Jesus, that David. Well, here's the first little point that I want you to get in your soul. God was hidden in this whole thing, but he was very much present, very much present. And the same is true for every discouraged person in this room. You may not see him. In fact, you might be able to give me intellectually the abandonment and say, uh, I've counted the seeds and it's bad and I have no hope and no future. And I just want you to know that God doesn't count the way we count. Because we count with our physical senses. And we say, it's six, I counted it. I counted it 12 times. And it's still six. And God says, you have no clue how much potential is in one seed. And so I pray right now that as we face this new year, you will say, Lord, I'm open. I'm open. And the key players in the book of Ruth had no idea what God was up to. They did not know that they were in that line to the Messiah. They did not know that for a moment. But God knew, even before Matthew discovered it and put it in the scripture. You know the story, Elimelech and Naomi. They had two sons. They left the house of bread. They left Bethlehem and they went to Moab. And the two boys married two ladies from that part of the world. Whether it was in the perfect will of God or in the permissive will of God, we have no idea. But I want you to know God worked it out for his plan. Hallelujah. Boy, that makes me feel good. And uh, there was a time of famine. They left Bethlehem. They left the house of bread. And let me just say that most Bible scholars feel that leaving the house of bread may not have been the best idea in the world. Leaving the house of bread. And I don't know whether you have had a season in your life where you have sort of left the house of bread. But it is amazing that God doesn't forsake us when we forsake him. 
And this is a perfect example. This is a beautiful example of how God worked in this life. And so Naomi returns. Oh, may I let you know that she attended three funerals, her husband's funeral and her two sons funerals. And she was coming home with two daughter-in-laws and one returned and went home to Moab without her. And here she arrives in Israel, back in Bethlehem, and uh, with one daughter-in-law, month upon month and year upon year and decade upon decade, God has engaged with his people whether they are aware of it or not. And that's the point I want to make today is that these people in the book of Ruth had no idea at the long game. They didn't have any idea, but God had the long game in mind. God knows the potential in a single seed. And let me illustrate with a with an illustration that's very, very close to my heart. It, it means so much to me to be able to share this with you. About 20 years ago, I received a phone call from a lady named Ethel Little in Tisdale, Saskatchewan. And she said, Pastor, I've been watching you on television from Calvary Temple. And I'd like you to know that you and I share a great grandfather. I said, uh, Ethel Little. Mm. I don't I don't want to be rude, Ethel Little, whoever you are. I'd never heard of her. But I don't think we are related. Oh, dear me. That was just like saying you better prove it to her. And she said, are you really interested in knowing about your family? I said, I sure am. She said, why don't you come, bring your wife and come to Tisdale and stay in my house and I'll tell you all about our mutual great grandfather. (laughs) I thought, is she really for real? Well, she was for real. And she told me the story of Jacob Hare. And Jacob Hare was born in Germany in 1853. He's exactly 100 years older than I am. And uh, same month, one day apart. And so um, she said, let me tell you about Jacob Hare. Jacob Hare came to Canada as a 19-year-old from Germany all by himself. In fact, he didn't even have a ticket. He got on the ship. He was working on the docks. He got behind the bread, and he hid there until they were out to sea. That's the story of the family. And so Jacob Hare arrives in Kitchener, and I want to share this with you as quickly as I can. Jacob Hare married Catherine Ringler. And they had 12 children, say 12, 12. Do you know why I had never heard of Ethel Little? Because she comes from the line of the first girl and I come from the line of the ninth girl. How many are getting this? 
right? One seed. And uh, you have no idea what happens after 150 years of 12 people doing the multiplication thing. <laughs> wow. So there is a ninth child to this Jacob here. Her name is Lucinda. I didn't hear that name often in my life, but I kind of knew my grandmother's name was Lucinda. She married Amos Brubaker. And Amos Brubaker and Lucinda had seven children. And number six was Alice. And Alice married Ed Martin. And they had six children. And I am number three. I, boy, that's a lot of apples. And guess what? It's still happening. We went to Hecla on between Christmas and New Year's. And this is who was at Hecla. That's just the apples falling off the tree that I am part of. And uh, yes, there is a mother, grandmother. She was in church here last night. And she bought the pajamas for everyone. So... I am so thankful that God's ways are bigger than our ways. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, with God, you never know where you'll end up. You never know. Using hidden players in God is God's specialty. Oh, unbelievable. He even takes us through famines. I'm speaking of Ruth now and Naomi. He takes us through famines. He takes us through funerals. He takes us through disappointments. He takes us through getting around our head that, we're, that where we were born is not the big issue. What the big issue is, is that God's in charge of our lives and he has a plan. And he works it out in our lives. And so what I would like to... Uh, and I just want you to know, in the midst of being depressed, you know when Naomi came back to Israel, to the house of bread, she said, change my name. I don't believe any of that promise nonsense. Call me bitter. How many are glad that God doesn't throw us out when we have a temper tantrum? Huh? Have you ever had one? Yeah. This isn't fact. Well, I want you to know, take the long view. God is always fair. Hallelujah. I want to leave you with three things from this overview of this little book called Ruth. What you can physically see is never, say never, never the whole story. If you can count it and feel it and taste it, it's not the whole story because that's the human side. But God has another side. One day, Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain. This is talking to Naomi, the depressed, change my name lady. Left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, you go ahead. Well, I just want you to know that Naomi and Ruth, when Ruth said, now what does my hand find to do? Are, are we going to come home to Bethlehem and starve? 
Where is God? Why isn't he? No, let me go out and do my little part. Do you know what I've learned over 47 years of pastoring? I've learned this. Well, I've learned a lot of things, but I've learned this. It's easier for God to steer us if we're moving. It's easier for us to find God's will if we're at least knocking on a door or two. And I would like to encourage you in this today. This is post-pandemic. Every church needs people to serve. Every church needs help. And I just want you to know, this is a new chapter for you. 2023, take it. Take it. Receive it. Be involved. And then this very discouraged woman says, may the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, he's showing his kindness to us as well as to your dear husband, because Ruth came back from the field and she said, uh, you know that quarter section down at the end of the road, I was in that field. Oh, what's his name, what's his name? Boaz, Boaz, that's his name. <laughs> and Naomi goes, oh, his, he will show his kindness to well as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers, Ruth. You won the lottery today. <laughs> you walked into the right field. And I don't know how God does this. I don't know how he arranges it. I don't know how he gets us in the right place. But Ruth, who was singing here to, this morning, singing, she was standing right here. She said to me, she said, Pastor, you won't remember this, but about 15, 20 years ago, my husband and I were standing in line at the superstore. And you know, one of those days when, the, when all the computers go down and they, as soon as you get up there and have just gone through all your stuff, they, oh, by the way, we can only accept cash today. She said, we didn't have any cash. But guess what? You were standing right behind us and you opened your wallet and paid. I said, did I do that? She says, you sure did. How many are thankful that God can even put us in the right line at the right place whenever we need? Amen. And that happened. So of all the barley fields and all the towns, she walks into the right barley field. And this guy, Boaz, is the kinsman redeemer. And it's the beginning of getting her into the plan of salvation. Hallelujah. Second takeaway, what's of little importance to others may be of crucial significance to God. And please get that in your heart. Don't just judge life by what you can feel, taste, and count. What's of little importance to others may be of crucial significance to God. And God was really good at this, eh? He took Abram, the pagan idolater out of the thousand people in Ur of the Chaldees, he did it with Moses, who was an illegally protected Hebrew baby. He now he's at it here with Ruth, the Moabite lady, and he is taking what those wonderful Israelite people would say, there's no purpose in this. And God says, oh, yes, there is purpose. Just think about Bethlehem. Micah said this. But you, O Bethlehem, 
are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Say small, small. But yet a ruler of Israel, Jesus, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Hallelujah. God's got bigger ideas. Do you remember back to uh, Jacob Hare? You know, my great-grandfather? Well, I want to talk to you about that Ed and Alice people. They were married in the Elmira Mennonite Church on September the 9th, 1944. And about 1945, 46, they wandered down in Elmira to a little Pentecostal mission church and went there and long before the word charismatic was known, they got charismatized. <laughs> and they got the whole world opened up to them. And my dad was farming Aberdeen Angus cattle, and they had one daughter at the time. She's now 77. Don't tell her I said that. And, uh, and guess what? God begins to call them, and they had a wonderful mentor, the pastor of their church in Elmira in 1946 and 47. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name was H.H. Barber. Ooh, the plot thickens. God is planning. And 50 years later, He is 75 and he's looking for a replacement. And God brings the seeds from the past. <laughs> and I'm minding my own business. And I don't know if you know anything about the fellowship of churches that I'm a part of, but you would no more phone up someone and say, you know what, I think I am God's chosen person to follow H.H. Barber. And they would say, see you at the hospital. <laughs> and guess what? Out of nowhere, out of a couple relationships that jogged the memory of Pastor Barber, the name Bruce Martin, Ed and Alice's boy. And guess what happened? The phone rang. See, I didn't make that happen. There's nothing to do with me. In fact, I could have never made it happen. If I'd have tried to make it happen, I'd have messed it up royally. So <laughs> tell me that the seed of one man coming off a boat, an illegal boat, scoundrel. And all these 150, 60 years later, and the phone rings. And I can't tell you in words how important that was in our lives. My wife and I are so thrilled that God gave us 25 years of the most wonderful years of our life. Not because we planned it, or we deserved it, or we earned it. It was in the heart of God before we even had a clue about it. It was in the heart of God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 1946 and 47 in the little town of Amira seemed very insignificant. And yet in 1997, it became the very thing that God used. Hallelujah. In fact, in the same way Bethlehem was used by God, long before Mary and Joseph, hundreds of years, long before, Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again and they named him Obed and he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Now it's amazing that this Ruth from, from over in the other part of the world came to be part of God's plan and an even bigger deal that Ruth the foreigner becomes the great grandmother to David. And here's the beautiful part. The dark-skinned Moabite is by blood and sinew mother to Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And you are in that. God's heart is for you. God's heart is for whatever he's doing in your life. God is bigger than life's troubles. God is bigger. And I wish I could have the time to tell you how this 19-year-old boy married a 20-year-old woman from a very different background and a different experience in life. And God put us, trusted us enough to put us through a school that brings us to this place today. And on September the 8th, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. And we look back and we say, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We didn't have a clue. I know there are some people who make it really dramatic. We, we were just two people trying to figure out what God wanted us to do. And God helped us at every turn of the way. Third takeaway, what's impossible with us is possible with God. How many apples are in a seed? I don't know. Because it's not done yet. Jacob Harris seed, we're having a new baby in March. And uh, he's already named. He has three brothers. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and how can I know the seeds that God is bringing to fruition? in all of our lives. When you and I surrender to the one bigger than you and me, and I want, I want to dwell just for a moment on this word surrender. This is Ruth. Don't ask me to leave you, Naomi. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I'm talking largely to believers today but it includes all of us. Maybe you're a seeker. Maybe you have not yet come to faith. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to come to faith in a moment. But I want you to know, when you say, God, I surrender. When Ruth said, your God, Naomi, will be my God, and where you go, I'll go, God said, Ooh, 
we're going to make this work. And God hears your heart today. Now, two verses of scripture to close our morning. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, that seed planted in 1853 will reap a harvest of blessing in Manitoba if we don't give up. <laughs> huh? It's true for you. It's true for you, wherever you came from, wherever you, whatever you're up to, the Lord. Now, now, I know that 2022 was tough on many people. And I just want to assure you, God is still in control. And God holds this whole new year in his hands. And he is working on your behalf. Now, listen to this. Apostle Paul, one more time. So my dear brothers and sisters, lay down and pull the covers over your head and hope for the best. No. <laughs> Be strong and unmovable and always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Hallelujah. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will implant that into your heart today. Were you raised in a home that had only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last? I want you to recognize, don't waste your time counting the seeds in one apple. You've done that a thousand times. You know all about the human limitations. Get your eyes on the fact that God's got something going on that's bigger than you. You say, but I don't know how to find it. Knock on a door and answer the phone. That's all I know. I tell my kids, I have children in ministry, just knock on the door, answer the phone. Knock on the door, answer the phone. And God will show you things you've never seen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together, shall we? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Hallelujah. I want you to know sincerely from my heart, this has been a great honor to be here. And I'm so thankful that Mark Hughes had a sane moment and invited me. Thank you. Praise the Lord. There you are. One shot, one shot. You know that if he had been here, he'd have given me a lot more than one shot. So he's up on me. I want to talk to, uh, just for a moment, to people who are here who you, you are sort of looking in on it, and maybe you're an investigator, maybe come investigate Jesus, you know? You're, you're here to say, can, can I embrace this? Is this all a bunch of do-gooders? What, what is this? Well, let me just real quickly. Religion is what you do to sort of impress God. Relationship with Jesus is what God's already done 
to fix you. <laughs> it's called salvation. And salvation is not a 12-step learning program. Salvation is a miracle that happens when we invite him into our hearts. So we're going to bow our heads and we're going to just ask the Lord to, and pray this prayer, everybody, and just, just say, Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sin. I invite you into my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for coming in, giving me a brand new life. Oh, just pause for a moment and say, oh, thank you, Lord. All the past, all my guilt, all the nonsense. I give it to you, Lord. Say it. I give it to you, Lord. Thank you for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name. Just keep your head bowed and let's just thank God that many people prayed that prayer. Now, if you're in this room, I will not embarrass you. I will not invite you forward. But if you're here and you prayed that and you know for the first time in your life, you, you sort of figured it out. And some of you have sort of been away for so long and you, you wondered if God would still show up for you. And you prayed that prayer and you meant it. How many, just while we're standing here, just would lift your hand and say, boy, that's me, Pastor. I don't know who you are, but thanks for coming and thanks for sharing. Yes, I see your hand. Someone else, just lift your hand. Yes, thank you. Now, Father, we thank you for every person. Give them the courage now to go and receive a free New Testament and a book by Mark Hughes called A Greater Purpose. Give them courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, just before you leave, just before you leave, over at Discovery, see that? A place to grow. Go and pick up your gifts today if you prayed that prayer with me today and meant it. And I really encourage you and thank you so much. And how many are thankful? Now, do you got that little thought? Anybody, any human can count the seeds in an apple, but only God knows the apples in a seed. Amen. And he's the miracle worker. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord.